This is RCT 5, An Unchangeable Faith. This is the Roman Catechism of Trent, page 14 to 15, part 1, the Creed, article 1, phrase 1, section 1, God give you his peace, in nomine patris affidi, spiritu sancti, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine patris affidi, spiritu sancti, amen. And then as far as that little poll that we took on YouTube, we are going to go with the first option, which is different from CPX. That is to say, I will read parts of the catechism and then interject, pepper in my own thoughts so you don't have to hear the words of the catechism twice. It is going to be a little bit of a shift from the CPX when you could just listen exclusively to the words of the Pope at the beginning. But I think this way will help streamline it so you can know how this applies to the 21st century as I read you this 16th century catechism. So let's look at this first part of the Creed, also called the Catechism of Pope Pius V, Pope St. Pius V. And what we're going to do, uh, since we're going to go catechism to me, just so you know when it's actually me versus the catechism, I'm going to read you the catechism, and usually I'll preface that with the catechism here, dot, 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 and then I'll read you from the catechism, and then I'll say, me padre, and then I will give you my own thoughts on that. And then I'll say something like, here's the catechism again, and then a quote, and then maybe a few sentences in, I'll say, me padre. So that way you know if it's actually the inspired or at least the infallible magisterium, or if it's just me giving commentary on it. Okay, let's look at Article 1. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Meaning of this article. The catechism says, the meaning of the above words is this. I believe with certainty and without a shadow of doubt, profess my belief in God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. Okay, me padre. Now, this is really politically incorrect, I admit it, but this shows that our Catholic faith is not our opinion, which has to be respected in religious liberty. Now, we believe without the shadow of a doubt in the Catholic faith. Why? Because we know divine revelation can be one and without contradiction, and that all the other religions of the world are false. There is only one God, meaning there can only be one true religion, and that's called Catholicism. When this makes postmodern Catholics or modernist Catholics a little bit squeamish to hear this, you know, the, the notion that I'm right about religion and you're wrong, it's really just because it's politically incorrect. They would use other terms like pastoral or ecumenical, or rather unpastoral and unecumenical, but really it comes down to human respect. And as we're going to go through this catechism, we're going to see that human respect really doesn't matter. All the early Roman Christians were martyred in either you know, giant stadiums or small vats of boiling oil, not just because they believed, but because they knew Jesus rose from the dead, and they knew he established a church on the apostles, the first of those being Peter, the Roman Catholic Church. And so remember, these early Roman Christians, they were given numerous chances to walk it back. Uh, maybe even believe Jesus plus these different Roman gods, but they didn't. These early Roman Christians, they weren't ecumenical, they weren't nice to people of false religions. Now, they were loving to them, and they were even kind to them, but they never appeased the consciences of those in error. So what happened? Well, those in error, in turn, tortured and killed them. That's why 11 of the 12 apostles were killed. 
You know, I think most modernist Catholics, they believe that the non-Christians back then were mean and non-Christians now are nice. Well, it's like, have you read the news in the Middle East lately? Have you read, have you seen on Twitter what pro-aborts are yelling about babies right now? No, anyone who is firm in their Catholic faith these days will have their life threatened. I've had my life threatened for my beliefs. Have you? Now, one key to belief to a belief this sure is faith in believing God is everywhere and all-powerful. If we don't believe that, we're not sure he's powerful enough to reveal himself to people of only one religion. Why would he just reveal himself to people of one religion or one group of people like the Jews? Well, so as to not confuse humanity. You see, God would never confuse. Why? Because he's the truth. So what is that one religion? Well, in the Old Testament, as you all know, God's exclusive revelation, but even then in the casing of foreshadowing, that was to the Jews. But since the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is only one true religion, and that is Catholicism. And so I, I believe and know that, not because I think God is this nice sugar daddy in the sky who just has kind feelings to everyone billions of miles away. No, I believe in not only the transcendence of God, but also his imminence. I believe in not only the infinite love of God, but also that he's infinitely powerful, meaning he would never fail in any form of weakness to bring divine revelation clearly to the apostles, because Jesus is God. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Religion is man's search for God. Christianity is God's search for man. Now, we'd, of course, add on top of that not only belief, but also sure knowledge that is Catholicism, since there's now 40,000, get this everyone, there's over 40,000 denominations, not just evangelical or Protestant communities, there's over 40,000 denominations of Christians in the United States. And every time I ask a Protestant, an evangelical, is this the will of God? They immediately say no. They know the words of the Bible well enough to know Jesus' dying wish was that we all might be one. Now, granted, there's a lot of embarrassing things happening in the Catholic hierarchy right now, but I, I still don't doubt this is the one true faith. Um, just look at the miracles of Padre Pio. Anytime you get low on faith, look at the miracles of Padre Pio or read about the apostles. Uh, I have no doubt, even with all the scandals, and I don't just mean moral scandals, I mean doctrinal scandals, even with all of this, I know Catholicism is the faith, this church that is one holy Catholic and apostolic. And so we know that God's the author of only one of those denominations. Really, we're not a denomination. We're super denominational. God can only be the author of one of those because he's not the author of confusion. He's only the author of one religion. That's Catholicism. But think of that line again. Religion is man's search for God. Christianity is God's search for man. So to really believe this and to die for it, we would have to believe and know that God is not only loving and transcendent, but also imminent and omnipotent. And that's why the next line of the catechism goes like this, or we'll actually backtrack a few words and then directly into the next section. We read in the catechism, I believe with certainty and without a shadow of a doubt, profess my belief in God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, who by his omnipotence created from nothing and preserves and governs the heavens and the earth and all things which they contain. And not only do I believe in him from my heart and profess this belief with my lips, but with the greatest ardor and piety I tend towards him as the supreme and most perfect good. Let this serve as a brief summary of this first article. 
But since great mysteries lie concealed under almost every word, the pastor must now give them a more careful consideration in order that, as far as God has permitted, the faithful may approach, with fear and trembling, to contemplate the glory of His majesty. I believe. The word believe does not here mean to think, to suppose, to be of opinion, but as the sacred scriptures teach, it expresses the deepest conviction, by which the mind gives a firm and unhesitating assent to God, revealing His mysterious truths. As far, therefore, as regards the use of the word here, he who firmly and without hesitation is convinced of anything is said to believe. Okay, mi padre. Now notice the catechism said, the pastor must now give them a more careful consideration. So I would add, this is one reason why maybe it's good I'm bouncing back and forth between catechism and then my thoughts, catechism and then my thoughts. I know it was about a 60-40 break on the vote for this. We're going to go with the 60% that wanted that. And why do I think um, I'm even capable of doing this? I want to be a little bit personal here with you why I think you should promote this podcast. It's because I've lived and seen so much modernist Catholicism. This is why I think you should suggest this podcast to traditionalists who've already read the Roman Catechism of Trent more times than me. I'll even go so far as to admit there's probably a lot of people out there in your families who know the Roman Catechism better than me. But the advantage of this podcast that you can tell them is... Because I was once a liberal and a modernist, I can give you guys loving and clear explanations to give to modernist Catholics and non-Catholics so as to evangelize them with our traditional faith, which I always like to call just the apostolic faith. So I'm sure there, there's traditionalists who are uh, maybe feeling inclined to listen to the RCT series, but then they think, eh, I've already read the Roman Catechism. I don't need someone to read it to me. Yeah, most of what I'm doing is reading it to you, but I'm peppering in how to evangelize and how to defend the traditional Catholic faith. So this is where you might want to give it to traditionalists who already know the catechism since I was once a modernist. I know how to explain this. Okay, now let's look at what we just heard there. Again, belief is not just, say, what thoughts give you the right neurotransmitter dump of the right emotions of feeling good about your current lifestyle. That's how most Catholics do it today. But we just heard in the Roman Catechism, that's not what faith is. That's not what belief is. Belief is not emotion, but what was the big word we just heard? Conviction. That's the word that we just heard in RCT that is belief, which connects us to supernatural faith. How strong is conviction? Conviction. Well, we're a very materialistic society that's very horizontal. We're very flat. Let's look at it this way. When I was a paramedic, let's say I had a patient I was absolutely sure was bleeding uh, or if I had an ambulance, was I sure my sirens were on? Yeah, I can be sure of those things. So when I call the ER from the back of an ambulance, I don't have to say, um, I believe a patient's bleeding. No, I can, I can say when I grab the phone, uh, I have a patient with a scalp laceration who lost a lot of blood. That's not a guess. That is knowledge. But the problem is, because we're such a materialist society, when we're talking about invisible knowledge, we seem to think everyone's opinions are equal. Well, this isn't true. We can actually know invisible knowledge. And this is where we say it's a conviction. Notice that conviction, again, is in the intellect and the will much more than it's in the emotions. Now, all the great saints had this overflowing into their emotions. This is why they were so affectionate to God and even others. Uh, but it, it was primarily in the intellect and will. We are sure Jesus rose from the dead. And we're sure he established only one church, not 40,000. Why? Because God is truth and could never 
be the author of confusion. Okay, catechism again. Faith excludes doubt. The knowledge derived through faith must not be considered less certain because its objects are not seen. For the divine light by which we know them, although it does not render them evident, yet suffers us not to doubt them. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath himself shown in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 that the gospel be not hidden to us as to those that perish, 2 Corinthians 4.3. Okay, me Padre again. So, faith is evident to those with an open heart and mind, but those perishing, well, the Catholic faith isn't so evident. Now, does that mean everyone not Catholic has shown themselves as being reprobate, that is, those destined to hell? No. Let's look closer at 2 Corinthians 4.3 that the Catechism just quoted there. It says, and verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. And even if our gospel's veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, so notice there, God doesn't blind people. Who blinds people? The God of this world. That is, Satan blinds people from the gospel. As I always tell you, we Catholics, were not five-point Calvinists who believe in double predestination where God has just wound up some people for heaven and wound up some people from hell. No, God truly wants everybody saved. But Satan blinds certain people to the gospel. Which people does he blind to the gospel? Well, this has a lot to do with humility. And this is where, because there's so much confusion in the hierarchy, really we should be super compassionate with people when we explain the Catholic faith. I know this sounds like kind of a tough guy flexing podcast saying there's only one true religion, and I stand by all of that. But when we are talking to a very broken society, we have to go pretty slowly. And this is why we have to be gentle with um, all these people who walk in darkness, uh, but especially those who seem willing to repent of their sins. Remember the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle Paul in Romans that it is God's kindness that leads sinners to repentance. Not his severity, not our apologetics, not us flexing on Twitter against people who are struggling with X, Y, and Z. No, it's, it's God's kindness that leads people to forgiveness. And this is the word of God. This is the in inerrant word of God in Romans that tells us this. So even though my convictions are very strong in this podcast, and I sound like a tough guy on some of these things saying all these other religions are false, you might be surprised me talking to just somebody on the street. I go really slowly and really patiently because it's not their fault that you know they look at the internet and the Vatican's saying something very, very different from me on, on, say, their moral lives. So this is one reason. It's one of a thousand reasons. It's not the only one why we have to go super compassionately in explaining it to people. And also, people are, are raised with so much verbal and, and physical abuse in their families that they've never been loved. And so a lot of times people have to know uh, that we love them before we explain Jesus rose from the dead. But really, those two can dovetail pretty quickly um, because... We live in a confessional society. People are pretty transparent these days about their sins, even if they don't call them sins. So they really might be ready to hear Romans 5.5 5 that says, Christ, as yet we were weak, according to the time, died for the ungodly. Isn't that amazing? When we were weak in our sins, God died for the ungodly. And everyone needs to hear that. So it's really God's kindness that leads sinners to repentance. And so also it's our kindness, not our sternness, that must be compassionate on those who truly walk in darkness in all these alternative lifestyles, post-abuse, all this stuff, so they can see the light of Christ in us. So it's fine to flex among friends because, and see, this is why the church uh, was led by men, because 
Men are especially good at the will following the intellect. We can give catechisms in really watertight, cold-cut things. But at the ground level, we're called to be as compassionate as women. This is why you have these great saints, St. Saint Francis Xavier and, and St. Maximilian Kolbe, who were tough guys on doctrine, but were just so tender uh, in real life with, with the people that they evangelized. These aren't contradictory things. Okay, let's go back to the catechism, or continue on rather in the catechism. The catechism continues. Faith excludes curiosity. From what has been said, it follows that he who is gifted with this heavenly knowledge of faith is free from an inquisitive curiosity. For when God commands us to believe, he does not propose to us to search into his divine judgments or inquire into their reason and cause, but demands an unchangeable faith by which the mind rests content in the knowledge of eternal truth. And indeed, since we have the testimony of the apostle that God is true, Though every man be a liar, Romans 3, 4, and since it would argue arrogance and presumption to disbelieve the word of a grave and sensible man affirming anything is true, and to demand that he prove his statements by arguments or witnesses, how rash and foolish are those who, hearing the words of God himself, demand reasons for his heavenly and saving doctrines. Faith, therefore, must exclude not only all doubt, but all desire for demonstration. End quote. Okay, me padre. Basically, what this is saying is if you have a reliable witness, you should trust the reliable witness. If you have a trustworthy person in your life, you should trust them. This is kind of hard for us to believe in the 21st century when, you know, you see these polls that like pretty much everybody lies. But Father Ripperger talked on it, uh, one of his talks recently, like even as early or as late as the 1950s and the 1960s, if you, if you lie just once to a family or friend, you were pretty much disbelieved for like five or 10 years. It took you a long time to regain people's trust. So this catechism was written in a time when there actually were believable witnesses in your life, people that you could trust. And so this is saying this is what God is. Um, now let's look at let's look a little bit deeper at this thing on lying. First of all, notice notice that God can never lie. This is very strongly asserted in both the Bible and this catechism of Pope Pius V. And that's why. Well, let's look at modern events. This is why it's such a blasphemy that a mm, certain somebody you can Google who this is, has said, maybe cover your kid's ears for 30 seconds. This is pretty crazy that I'm telling you to cover your kid's ears for what someone in the Vatican recently said. But I have to because this person said, just cover him for 10 seconds here, that when Mary received the body of Jesus at the cross, quote, that body that suffered so before dying inside, surely she wanted to say to the angel, angel liar, I was deceived. She too had no answers, end quote. Inside, surely she wanted to say to the angel, liar, I was deceived. Okay, that was a horrible blasphemy against Our Lady that a certain someone in the Vatican said on the 29th of May, 2015. I am hesitant to repeat such words since there's kids listening. I'm not ashamed to call it out as blasphemy. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I think is scandal. What's scandal is that it was said. I'm ashamed to repeat those words from you-know-who, these words implying that even Mary was tempted to believe heaven had lied to her. What terrible blasphemy. Mary never doubted in her faith at all. This has been affirmed in the magisterium and hundreds and thousands of saints. Mary's faith never wavered. Now, people will burn for even mild, burn in hell. They will burn for not just saying that, but for defending any blasphemy that says God is a liar. Again, we know from Romans 3, 
and the Roman Catechism today that God can never, never be a liar. Every word of the Bible and the classic magisterium is true because this is revealed by God, and anyone who calls God a liar is a follower of the father of lies himself. Let's get this straight. God is true. Satan's a liar. I promise you that. Okay, secondly, let's look at that section I just read from the Catechism a little bit deeper. We know that the Catechism of Pius V just described our faith with the adjective that I am calling, Romans, or RCT5, an unchangeable faith. That's what we're calling RCT5, an unchangeable faith. It came from the section I just read you. Now, isn't that powerful and beautiful to think of our faith as unchangeable? If I had to summarize all of my blogs and podcasts that uh, bishops now think is controversial, one bishop even called me a troublemaker, <laughs> it's that the Catholic faith is an unchangeable faith. How in the world does that make me a troublemaker for saying our faith is unchangeable? Only in the darkest times in church history could that be controversial. So what do we do? Well, we power through these dark days, these dark days with the grace of the Holy Spirit, and in kindness we tell everyone out there that we are just as sure as the nose on our face that Christ rose from the dead and he gave us the Catholic faith. And now if you're that convicted, you might be martyred, but martyrdom is a gift. So power on in this conviction because I promise you there is only one faith and Christ is risen from the dead. And despite all the troubles in the Catholic faith, God's church is still one holy Catholic and apostolic. And then one more small section of the catechism. Faith requires open profession. The pastor should also teach that he who says, I believe, besides declaring the inward assent of the mind, which is an internal act of faith, should also openly profess and with alacrity acknowledge and proclaim what he inwardly and in his heart believes. For the faithful should be animated by the same spirit that spoke by the lips of the prophet when he said, I believe, and therefore did I speak, Psalm 115 verse 10, and should follow the example of the apostles who replied to the princes of the people, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, Acts 4.20. They should be encouraged by these noble words of St. Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, Romans 1.16. And likewise by those other words in which the truth of this doctrine is expressly confirmed. With the heart we believe unto justice, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 10. Okay, mi padre. Don't you love that? If people just tuned in to the last, say, two minutes of this Roman catechism, I'm trying to, if people just listen to the last two minutes, they might think all those words came from a charismatic Catholic talk. And I actually mean that as a compliment to charismatics, not a dig on them. Um, they're not right about everything, but they do often sound like that quote from the Roman catechism today, that what you believe you can't be quiet about, but quote, should also openly profess and with alacrity acknowledge and proclaim what you inwardly and in your heart believe. For the faithful should be animated by the same spirit that spoke by the lips of the prophet when he said, I believe and therefore did I speak, end quote. And also, quote, they should be encouraged by these noble words of St. Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, end quote. So listen, I'm not promoting charismatic, the charismatic movement because I was in it and I've seen both miracles and demons. Uh, so I don't want to just promote or condemn it either way because I've seen great things and I've seen really wonky things. But I do want to close with a story that does complement the um, charismatic Catholic movement for having a faith much like we just heard. 
Uh, when I was in seminary, this is about 14 years ago, and if you can believe this, I went to a traditional priest and I confessed, among other things, making fun of charismatics. I was kind of in the transition zone. Well, I went to a French priest who had never done any of the new sacraments. So this was a French priest who was a traditionalist who had only in his life only ever offered the traditional Latin mass. And so again, I, I confessed kind of halfway between being a charismatic and a traditionalist, making fun of um, charismatics. And you'll never believe what he said. He said, you know, in Paris, it's the charismatics going into the subways. This is a paraphrase. I can't remember the exact words because it was 14 years ago, but it was basically this. In Paris, it's the charismatics going into the subways and evangelizing and handing out miraculous medals. But the traditionalists are not doing this. So who's the ones with more faith? Now, he had a great point. Okay, now, before this makes traditionalists mad, um, realize this was 14 years ago, and I believe, I really believe this in my heart of hearts, thanks be to God, that many traditionalists are becoming much better street evangelists. In fact, I don't just believe that. I know that. Let's, let's look back at this words, believe and know. I know for a fact. Uh, my friend Randy Grasso is on the streets of Dallas evangelizing. There are many traditional Catholics who are doing street evangelization. And the great news is there's a lot of charismatic Catholics now finding themselves in the seven traditional sacraments. Many charismatics have gone deeper and chosen exclusively the way of tradition. What an exciting time to be alive in the Catholic Church. Thanks again to all my donors. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.